You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. We begin tonight with one family's heartbreak. Their son, just 12 years old, struck down in Langley earlier this month, allegedly by a drunk driver. And while the boy remains in critical condition, his father is speaking to our Jill Bennett, hoping justice will be done. And the car hit him about 10 or 15 feet from where we're standing. And I believe he flew into this fir tree right here. Tony Brown has been living a nightmare since his 12-year-old son Jesse was hit while walking home from school a week ago. His jaw was broke on both sides. Most of his facial bones were broken. Uh, he has broken bones in his back. Uh, his arm is broken. RCMP say the vehicle that hit Jesse was found a short time later. They allege the 19-year-old male passenger was trying to hide the dark blue Nissan Pathfinder. He, along with a 29-year-old woman, were arrested, both suspected of being impaired. Police say both people may have been driving the vehicle throughout the day. They have both been released from custody and uh, the investigation now continues on. So uh, there's obviously a number of different scenes. In fact, RCMP believe the Pathfinder covered a large area of Metro Vancouver before being involved in two hit and runs. They say it may have traveled through Alder Grove, Walnut Grove, downtown Vancouver, North Vancouver, and finally Surrey before returning to Langley, where an 18-year-old was clipped near Langley Secondary before Jesse Brown was hit. If an uh, impaired driver hits somebody and kills somebody, it should be auto automatically manslaughter. If you... Uh, hit somebody and injure them, that should be attempted manslaughter, you know, and that's what the, the laws need to be changed to. Brown wants tougher penalties in impaired driving cases. He's already written several politicians and encourages others to do the same. If we can change the laws, maybe we can stop this from happening to somebody else's child. 12-year-old Jesse remains on life support in BC Children's Hospital. Brown is hoping there are more witnesses and possibly someone with dash cam video of the crash who can help Langley RCMP with the investigation. Jill Bennett, Global News. Growing safety concerns tonight in and around Oppenheimer Park on Vancouver's downtown east side. Police note a disturbing increase in weapon seizures, violence and gang activity. Jennifer Palma has more on the danger and why some are calling it a political hot potato. The safety of residents around Oppenheimer Park is at risk and the community is on edge. I don't go through that. I don't walk through there anymore. I just don't trust it. It reflects bad at people in the downtown east side, but people got to survive somehow. Not, there's not housing available for everyone. A large weapon seizure by the Vancouver police shows some of what's been found in the park. The Uncommon Cafe is across the street from Oppenheimer Park. Their business is being impacted. Probably over the last four or five months, there's been a drop in business. Um, I don't know if that's just because certain people aren't as comfortable walking up into this area anymore. The park is in crisis, despite finding homes for many last month and the removal of dozens of tents. More have returned, and with it, Vancouver police say violence, assaults, drugs and gangs. Everyone agrees more needs to be done to get people into homes, but it's a conversation that continues to be batted around. Even officers say they feel unsafe in the park. We're getting to the point because of the huge public safety concerns that we do have to look at things like injunctions. As far as the political side of it, that's between the city and the park board to work out. But as the chief of police, I'm saying that it is time to move down that road. 
The city would like to have jurisdiction over the park, but says they're waiting on the park board. They want the responsibility, they can take it and come forward with a plan beyond a multi-level task force, which uh, could not at the very earliest get going uh, until December. The park board says they are prioritizing those people who are living in the park, but one commissioner says he'd like to see an injunction. The park board's present position actually has put our city parks at considerable risk of more campers because basically they've said anything goes and uh, I don't support that position. But while the community waits for a resolution, the tent city grows and so does frustration. I'd like to see the park return to a park for the community and the kids and everyone that lives here. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Three people needed treatment in hospital when a fire broke out this morning at an apartment in Kitsilano. It was fast. It was scary because it was really fast. The two-alarm fire broke out in a low-rise building on West 2nd and Arbutus. Vancouver fire crews believe the flames started on the balcony of one of the suites before spreading to at least three others. The fire is not believed to be suspicious. Thankfully, the injuries of those who went to hospital were fairly minor. Meantime, a fire in downtown Williams Lake this morning has destroyed two historic buildings. Crews originally called to the Diamonds and Dust Entertainment Lounge around 5.30 this morning. That business has been the site of multiple arson attempts in the last year. The fire spread to a neighboring coffee shop, destroying that before crews were able to get the upper hand. Several other businesses sustained water damage. Investigators expect to have that area closed off for the next few days to try and determine the cause of the fire. Closing arguments continue in the second-degree murder trial of Andrew Barry, this time with Crown addressing the jury. Barry is the Oak Bay father who's pled not guilty to killing his two young daughters. Nadia Stewart has more on Crown's message to the jury and when the judge is expected to put the trial in their hands. Crown Prosecutor Patrick Weir finished his closing arguments today by instructing jurors not to be distracted by minor details. Andrew Barry stands accused of second-degree murder in the deaths of his two daughters following the discovery of their bodies in December 2017. Weir says if they look at the evidence, jurors will not be confused. Closing arguments began Tuesday. Defense lawyer Kevin McCullough spent three days highlighting what he called inconsistencies in the testimony of several witnesses. On Friday, Crown Prosecutor Patrick Weir told the jury the trial was not about Barry's ex-wife Sarah Cotton, first responders, forensic experts, or anyone else who testified. He said, quote, there was no police conspiracy. There was no nonsensical master plan. This trial is about one person, and that person is Andrew Barry, end quote. Weir then proceeded to characterize Barry as a man who, quote, simply cannot accept responsibility for his actions, end quote, describing Barry as the only person with a motive and opportunity to commit the alleged offense. Weir dissected defense's explanation of the events of December 25th, 2017, calling into question the existence of the tall, dark-haired, dark-skinned man who was said to have committed the crime. Crown says forensic evidence and expert testimony challenges Barry's claim that he was attacked. He also called into question Barry's suggestion that he was carried by the alleged killer to the washroom, stripped and left in the bathtub. Weir said any suggestion the scene was staged is, quote, preposterous, adding that in order for this to be a plausible murder-suicide, there has to be three people dead, not two. 
We're repeatedly encouraged jurors to ask themselves whether Barry's words had the, quote, ring of truth to them, end quote. He said they should not be distracted by talk of Paul, the alleged loan shark, or when the suicide note was or was not written. Quote, we can't say what date that note was written, said Weir. What we do know is that note predates the events of the 25th. That's why there's no blood on it. With Crown Counsel wrapping up closing arguments, Andrew Barry's fate will very soon be in the hands of the jury. It's expected Madam Justice Gropper will charge them early next week. Nadia Stork, Global News. All over the world today, including in New York City, millions of high school students take part in climate change demonstrations. In Berlin, protesters rallied in front of the famous Brandenburg Gate, calling on world leaders to take action. And in Paris, a huge crowd marched through the city there. Thousands of teens also taking action closer to home. Much of the passion inspired by 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg. Kylie Stanton has more on the movement for climate justice that's resonating with young people around the world. Shouting chants and holding their signs high, hundreds of students gather on the lawn of the B.C. legislature. To take action. The message is clear. We're facing the extinction of our species. We need to do something. And in this case, something is dropping to the ground. We're going to be lying down for six minutes. For a die-in, a form of protest symbolizing what will happen if nothing changes, demanding urgent action from global leaders. The students here today came out to say that we need a future and that we need to act. They're inspired by Swedish teenager and climate activist Greta Thunberg, who has rallied millions around the world to stand up and speak out. What do we want? Climate action! When do we want it? Now! Hundreds here in Vancouver included. Right now, all we see is politicians not taking action, not making this a priority, and we need to make this change. The students traveled throughout the downtown core as part of the protest, stopping at three different locations for the die-ins. We are going to fight for what we believe in. The adults supporting them impressed. They have it together, they're informed. And ashamed, all at the same time. It's children that have to lead the fight now. That's supposed to be the job of parents and grandparents. And now it's up to the children to tell us the simple truth. Don't let failure be an option. This is just the beginning. It is absolutely a start. A week of action is in the works. Events will culminate with a massive climate strike next Friday. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Some European flair is coming to the Alpine above Whistler Blackcomb. A new backcountry lodge is opening. One of three huts for high Alpine hikers and skiers along the iconic Spearhead Range. Aaron MacArthur takes us on a tour and explains why organizers hope the style will pique the interest of government. Perched on the edge of a mountain wonderland, this new alpine hut will welcome its first guests this fall. It's, it's a view out of every window. It is. Massive views, 360 everywhere. The Fitzsimmons range and the Spearhead range are... The Spearhead hut project has been in the works for decades but it took an enormous local fundraising effort to jumpstart the campaign and get the Keys and Clare hut built. And much of the work done by volunteers who simply love the outdoors. A huge amount of companies that donated product and services to this building, whether it's siding, plywood, roofing, windows, it, it, it all came in. 
would you look at that view? I mean, it's amazing. And part of the amazing view is having amazing accommodation. The Keys and Clare Hut will be one of three huts planned on the Spearhead Range connecting Whistler and Blackcomb. The goal here is to create a whole new category of backcountry travel. There's a huge future, and if we can get governments behind to back some of these things, a lot more of it can happen. Uh, we can create routes on the same level that they have hot routes in Europe. A major sponsor has been identified for the next phase of the traverse, design work continuing before the grand opening of Keys and Clare on Saturday. The potential traffic and the visibility to people of this route is going to be like none other in the province. The goal, to get the remainder of the project up and running as soon as possible, providing more people with this view in all four seasons. Aaron MacArthur, Global News, Whistler. What a place. Also uh, an amazing place, the last big party for an iconic mansion on Southwest Marine Drive tonight. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is there at Casa Mia. And Christy, this is one of Vancouver's best known properties. That's exactly right, Chris. It's a historic night here at Casa Mia. I myself remember driving by it as a little child, as we were driving to my grandparents' house and pointing Casa Mia out every time, wondering what it was like inside. And here I am standing in the grand entranceway and stairwell. We're here for the Zajac Ranch for kids, uh, or ch children, uh, a gala. We're going to be fundraising tonight in amongst the elegance and the elaborate woodwork that was built back in 1930 by George Rifle. It was built for his family, but ever since then, there's been a lot of history within these walls. From downstairs, there's an incredible dance floor and bar area where the likes of Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack have, have come time after time. There's also rumors that there were tunnels underneath the, this mansion, which turned out to be not true, but also things like in the nursery, hand-painted Disney artwork. So incredible uh, elegance here. We'll be showing you around the house in a little bit. We'll be outside and we'll come back inside into that downstairs uh, uh, bar area that is so famous, Chris. Uh, but for now, I'll throw it back to you. Just that ceiling is incredible. The detail up above you is great. Look forward to seeing more of that. Thanks very much, Christy, and congratulations to Mel Zajac and the Zajac Ranch, who do amazing things too. I'm surprised, and I was more surprised when I saw the number of times Donald Trump asked today about the controversy over pictures of Justin Trudeau wearing black and brown face. And, you know, I've always had a good relationship with Justin. Uh, I just don't know what to tell you. It's, I was surprised by it, actually. That scandal once again dominated the federal election campaign today. And despite his efforts to move on, the liberal leader confirmed that he has reached out to NDP leader Jagmeet Singh to make a personal apology. Keith Baldry reports. Pleasure to see you. After two days of being mired in a scandal with racist overtones, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau was in Toronto today, where he tried to change the channel by switching to talk about crime and prevention, specifically a promise for tougher gun control. Gun crime in Canada is on the rise. It's a fact. Frankly, I don't understand how anyone could look at this alarming trend and conclude that we need less gun control. But questions about his blackface incidents won't go away. 
Today, Trudeau said he would personally reach out and apologize to NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. I will uh, be apologizing to him personally as uh, a racialized Canadian, as uh, I have been apologizing to Canadians who have uh, suffered discrimination and, uh, and intolerance. As for the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh was in Windsor, where his focus was on health care, promising to bring down the cost of medication. We believe if you need medication in this country, if you or your loved ones need life-saving medication or medical devices, you should go and use your health card, not your credit card. As for the phone call from Trudeau... His office has reached out to mine, and I've indicated that if it's private, I'm willing to have that conversation. Thanks Conservative leader Andrew Scheer was in New Brunswick, where he reiterated his promise to increase health funding to the provinces. This commitment means that provinces will be able to count on stable, predictable funding to pay for their programs and deliver quality health care. The reality is that Canada's population is both growing and aging, and this presents new challenges for the health care system. But Scheer found himself on the defensive again over something from his past. Do you think Canadians accept your views back in 2005 about Ob- same-sex marriage? Obviously, uh, we had a debate on that issue. Canada, Canadians had their say. Our country has moved on, our society has moved on, and I have moved on. Finally, Green Party leader Elizabeth May has found her own party is dealing with his own experience with blackface incidents. This is, of course, a well-known Canadian satirist and comic, Greg Malone. There was a skit in which he wore blackface. It was um, part of a, a, a comedy skit on Codco. In retrospect, he wishes he hadn't done it. He is very upfront about it, and he didn't hide it. Keith Baldry, Global News. A growing election issue right here in B.C. is birth tourism. Women coming to Canada specifically to have their babies and guarantee their children Canadian citizenship. The overall numbers still are relatively small, but they are growing significantly. The latest figures indicate 1% of births in Canada are to non-residents. But with 4,100 in the past year, it's up 13% from the year before. That includes about 700 in B.C., Richmond is the epicenter with nearly one in four babies born to non-residents. Although not all non-resident births are birth tourism, Global's Paul Johnson traveled to Richmond to see what the candidates are saying about the issue. This time it was pregnant people that were coming. Meet Carrie Starchuk, the Richmond activist who's probably done more than anyone else to sniff out the cluster of birth tourism operations in her community. I have seen pregnant women here. It is getting worse in Richmond. Case in point, Starchuk identified this Chinese-based website called Canada Baby, full of pictures of pregnant women, Canadian hospitals, and Canadian passports. The address for the service was this house in Richmond. So we went to ask them what's going on. Is this Canada Baby? The woman who answered the door confirmed she lives there, but said she didn't know anything about Canada Baby. There's no Canada Baby business? No. But neighbors tell a different story. Lots of traffic and strangers, including groups of pregnant women out for evening strolls. Birth tourism is a problem. Joe Pescasolito is the Liberal MP for that riding. He recently brought a petition to Parliament to crack down on birth tourism. I'm going to be pushing very hard to not only undermine birth tourism, but to ultimately stop it and eliminate it. 
two of Pesco Salido's challengers, Nicola Iacci of the Green Party. And Kenny Chiu of the Conservatives didn't respond to Global's request for an interview. NDP candidate Jaden De La Torre saying while she's concerned about the stress on the health care system, she says it's important to not use this issue as a way to divide Canadians and fan the flames of racism and xenophobia. I would like them to address it and end the practice of birth tourism. But Starchuk isn't hopeful politicians actually intend to do anything. I don't know. If she's able to root out these operations, why isn't the RCMP doing the same? She suspects Ottawa isn't ordering them to do anything. That, that's basically it. They say one thing, they turn around and do something different. Thank you for your time. Uh -huh. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News. Take a look at this giant cleanup job. Crews in San Antonio, Texas have begun dismantling scaffolding that collapsed during a severe storm last night. It looks even worse from the ground. The 30-meter structure damaged a number of buildings as it fell. Believe it or not, a family of three was sitting on a bus bench underneath the scaffolding, and they were only slightly injured when it came down. They are also cleaning up in a Chicago-area shopping mall after a frightening incident that sent shoppers scrambling. Yo, this is not happening right now. Someone drove an SUV through an entrance of the Woodfield Mall in Chicago and just kept going. Terrified shoppers ran for cover, many of them fearing a possible active shooter situation. But no shots were fired, and thankfully there were only a few minor injuries. The driver was arrested. No word at this point on any possible motive. The man who built one of Vancouver's most famous tourist attractions is in hospital tonight, recovering from serious injuries. Raymond Lee Saunders, creator of the iconic steam clock, was hard at work at the age of 79 when he had a bad fall. As Linda Aylesworth reports, his family is hoping his fans will help him sort everything out. A little worse for wear, hey dad? A few days ago, a GoFundMe page was started for Ray Saunders, who's ever so slowly recovering in Vancouver General Hospital after falling 15 feet off a ladder. Among his many bone-shattering injuries... Broken pelvis is not that easy to do. And then they put plates and nuts and bolts in me. I'm lucky to be alive, really. It's not unusual for people to donate money to strangers in need, but chances are you know Ray, even if you don't realize it. He's the guy who created the famous Gastown steam clock. Billions of people have taken pictures of that Gastown clock. It made a lot of people happy, that's for sure. It gives me joy to go down and toot my whistles. It's such a lot of fun. He was doing maintenance on another of the seven landmark clocks he's built when he fell last week. At the age of 79, some would say he should keep off ladders, but no one can care for his creations like he can. He's devoted his whole life to making our city more timely, more interesting, and for everybody to be able to have something to look up at. Thing is, his clocks are labors of love. They have not made him a rich man. And so getting through the next year of rehabilitation is going to be tough physically and financially. Our goal is $100,000. And the reason we have that goal is because we don't want our dad to ever have to worry about money again. Do you see what the amount is now? 14500 
Wow. It's really lovely to see that the community is now coming back to repay the favors that he's been doing for all these years. As for Ray's future plans... I'm training an apprentice right now. He's going to do all my ladder climbing for me. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Wishing him the best in his recovery. In Health Matters tonight, for the second time in the past few weeks, a rabid bat has been found at a Victoria area school. The dead bat was found at Frank Hobbs Elementary. Earlier this month, the bat found at Keating Elementary also tested positive for rabies. While the chance of contracting rabies from bats is low, health officials are reminding everyone not to touch or pick up any bats that they might come across. A very special anniversary after the forecast. We'll celebrate one of the most successful sitcoms ever with a hands-on experience. Yes, you can sit in Joey's apartment if you want. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll move up a little bit in, the, uh, in real estate here. Krista is at Casa Mia instead of a, a small apartment in New York City. What a beautiful night to be out there for a big fundraiser for Zajac Ranch, Christy. We're so lucky, Chris, that the sun came out. You can see the party has now come out into the beautiful gardens here where they're actually doing uh, champagne uh, sabering uh, to sort of kick off the evening here. It really is an elegant uh, garden area with a pool to the right of me. Uh, so a stunning evening. Let's talk about, though, your last weekend of summer. I hate to say that to you, everyone. But yes, last weekend of summer. Officially, we change over to fall uh, on Monday and we've got a soaker on the way. Now, right now, it's headed for the north and Central Coast. Uh, oh yeah, there you go. Fall changes over officially at 12.50 a.m. So when you wake up and head off to work or school in the morning on Monday, it'll officially be fall. But this is the soaker that's on the way. So tomorrow it will be mainly dry, but we will still see a fair amount of clouds. Still some sunshine, but more cloud than certainly we're seeing right now. And then that front will make its way towards us by the late evening hours. So a soaker overnight Saturday through a good part of our Sunday morning. If you have any outdoor activities, maybe bringing in the patio furniture, your day to do that certainly is Saturday uh, because we could see anywhere from 10 to 25 millimeters of rain through to the end of the day on Sunday. Now, the North Coast will see the rainfall mainly on Saturday. Inland regions, a nice mix of sun and cloud. Actually, a beautiful day across southern BC for the interior regions, although the South Coast will see a fair amount of cloud. Again, that frontal band moving in from the northwest, so we'll see increasing uh, rainfall through the late evening hours, Sunday being wet, and then the first day of fall looking mainly dry until the end of the day when the rain pushes in once again. So a little soggy for the weekend, but it's a bit split half and half. So I'm enjoying tonight as uh, everyone enjoys their champagne here overlooking um, the gardens here. 21,000 square foot Casamia. It's so nice to be here. What Chris, a back beautiful to you. night. Okay, and a beautiful home. Thanks very much and uh, good luck for those raising funds tonight for the ranch. Well, it left network television 15 years ago, but it's never really been on a break. See what I did there? If you watch Friends, you'd get the reference. 25 years ago this month, this coming Sunday to be precise, marks the debut of a sitcom about 6, 20, and 30-somethings in Manhattan. And while the early reviews were pretty mixed for Friends, it went on to become one of the most successful and influential series ever. A quarter century later, it still resonates, so much so that a pop-up Friends experience in New York sold out almost immediately. It's everything I imagined. Yes. Part of my growing up is Friends. I mean, I just loved it. 
What is Chandler Bing's job? Uh, how valuable is Friends? Well, it's leaving Netflix at the end of this year and moving to Warner Media's new streaming service called HBO Max. Warner paid $425 million for the rights, $85 million a year for five years. What a show. Now, was it before Seinfeld like, or after Seinfeld? Like, I mean, it they was, were at the same time. I mean, weren't they on the yeah. same nights? I think they were. Like, that's, that's some heavy-hitting TV sitcom. I know. I, I think they were on the same night. I wasn't really I'll a Friends person. I was more of a Seinfeld. But I, I like they both. both have lasted the test of time. Have they ever? In the history of baseball, just before we get to Squire, one player tends to stand above all others. Babe Ruth was the first true superstar, and his popularity is still so strong, almost anything he signed is still worth hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. So you can imagine the excitement when a collector in the interior of B.C. found an old ball signed by the Bambino himself. Ted Field has the story. Murphy Brown is riding to his flea market in Wassa, about a half hour outside of Cranbrook, carrying what could be a bit of baseball history. A while back, a local man passed away. His family left a trunk with Brown. He finally got around to picking the locks and in the bottom found a ball in a display case. Tony comes rolling in. He spotted the ball. He almost fell to his knees. And I thought, gee, it must be a real good ball. Anthony Dransfield spotted the name Babe Ruth on the old ball and was pretty excited. When I saw this baseball, I immediately was struck by the fact that it's probably a, an old, old ball. The Babe was the Sultan of Swat, their home run king and baseball legend. Here's the Babe scoring after hitting a three-run homer in the first Unlike inning. players these days, the Babe and a team of all-stars would spend some of the offseason barnstorming through big and small towns. He even visited an orphanage in Spokane, Washington. After he retired, the Bambino was also involved in tours selling war bonds. Probably a baseball fan from up this way had gone down to Bonners Ferry, Sandpoint or Spokane to see the great Babe Ruth perform and uh, got the ball signed. They are reaching out to various organizations trying to authenticate the ball. It could be worth a few thousand bucks. In his day, the Babe signed quite a few items. As for Murphy's plans for the ball. Yeah, we're gonna go play baseball after this. Not with this ball. <laughs> You never know what you might find in a roadside flea market. Ted Field, Global News. Always worth a stop. Duck into the roadside flea markets. You might find a treasure. Squire is here with uh, with sports. Babe signed thousands of things, so there's a yeah. lot out there. Yeah, I... I <laughs> You're skeptical. You're I'm, skeptical. Ske I'm skeptical. <laughs> it doesn't mean I know. Right. Just, you know, anytime someone shows me something like that, it's like, hmm, hmm. was it? Uh, okay. Because of injuries last season, Bo Horvat was Mr. Everything. He took the majority of the face-offs. He took in wayward wingers whose regular centers were hurt. It seems like at some point everybody on the Canucks last year was a Horvat winger. Unless, of course, they were defensemen or goalies. In the preseason, Horvat looks to be developing a chemistry with a new guy, J.T. Miller. And if we are to read anything into what we're seeing in exhibition, maybe this is a pair the Canucks should start the season with because we saw it again last night. Now, this wasn't a pass, but watch J.T. Miller put the pressure on. 
Forces James Neal to make a bad pass. And four on four, Horvat scores. One more look. Again, a little bit of pressure. And we saw a nice goal between these two when they played in Victoria against the Flames. So, Horvat and JT Miller, maybe that's part of the second line this year. Uh, the Canucks' next exhibition game will feature Brock Besser, who will be on the first line this season. Uh, that game is tomorrow in Salt Lake City against the LA Kings. The Canucks hope that Besser can play at least three preseason games before the games count for real on October 2nd. Olio Levy will likely play tomorrow. Look for Jacob Markson to uh, go the entire game. Ashton Sautner was put on waivers. Oh, have to show you this from last night. Watch this save by Yaroslav Halak. Looks like a sure goal. But no, he reaches back and steals one off of Morgan Frost. Basically a no-look. This is very Dominic Hoshek-like. That's what Hoshek would do, just flop around the net like a trained seal and make all the saves. Uh, star wide receiver Antonio Brown got himself released from Oakland because he didn't want to be there. He joined New England, and in a way, he got himself released by the Patriots as well. That happened this afternoon, although he didn't want to go this time. New England cut him loose because of a second woman accusing him of sexual assault and Brown apparently sending her threatening text. Antonio Brown actually practiced today with the Patriots, but while he was doing that, management was deciding to cut him. We will have to see if the NFL suspends him, but whether they do or not, every team in the NFL is eligible to sign Antonio Brown if they want to. BC Lions are in Ottawa tomorrow, facing the Red Blacks again. They beat Ottawa last week at BC Place. One of the reasons was their play on defense, and I'm not sure why it took so long, but it seems like the Lions' defense has finally begun to figure out how to play at a high level. Maybe it's because they've been facing lower-level teams recently, but whatever the case, opposition scores are lower against the Lions, and BC is playing more like a unit. Early in the season, some defensive players on the Lions were getting out of position, trying to make the big play, and ironically in football, when you try to make the big play, often that causes a big play against you. You, you always want to make the play because you're paid on individual stats and a team concept, but you have to trust the system that is going to allow you to make the plays, and they're understanding that the system will allow each and every individual to have success as long as each person does their job and make the plays when they, they come to you. So as long as the guys continue to do that, I think we'll be fine. World Cup of Rugby in Japan. Japan gets to open it up against Russia, although this was no way to open up your World Cup. Oops! Well, that was easy. Terrible misplay. Kiro Golosnitsky scoring for Russia. They were up 7-0 in the fifth minute. But Kotero Matsushima. That is, was a nice pass there. Did you see the no-look? Nice offload. And he would score the try. He actually had two tries in this game. And Peter Labachang would steal this one and go all the way for the try. Actually, it's interesting. Only six of the starting 15 of Japan today are actually born in Japan. Japan beat Russia 30-10. Whitecaps home tomorrow, 2 o'clock start against Columbus. The crew are a better team this year, but uh, the Cavs have been pretty lucky against them over the years, having three wins and two draws against Columbus, stretching back to 2014. Global and WestJet Vacations are giving you the chance to win an island escape to Maui WestJet Vacation Package for two, including a private concert with Canadian country music stars High Valley. Today's code is BEACH. Enter now. Beach. Send me to the beach. Okay.
What's going on? Well, satellite debris? Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. So this is from France, and I think it's an e-commerce com company called Bazaar Chic. But this, this commercial is basically what happens when, well, I don't know if it's a botch robbery, but it's too many people having the same idea. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> jamais à faire comme tout le monde. Téléchargez l'application Bazar Chic et passez du bon côté des ventes privées. Bazar Chic. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Something like that. That's, that's the whole idea. No idea. Uh, but they were wonderful rabbit masks. Okay, so this is, when we had one from Ikea last week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did, the, the jungle uh, one, Yeah, the right? jungle one. Okay, this one is in someone's home. It's also a great Ikea commercial. Here we go. You're awake. Yeah. know that feeling. Okay, so um, McVitie's makes these little biscuits, I think, in England, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a commercial we ran a couple of years ago where when they opened the, the package, little puppies ran out. <laughs> so now they're doing the same thing with kittens. And then the next commercial after that will include dogs, but it's a commercial about why you should do TV commercials. Ah. Okay. McVitie's Chocolate Digestives, the chocolatey snuggle of McVitie's. Sweet.
See? The power of TV advertising. Nobody understands that more than us. Fueling this show Fueling this for a show. long time. There you go. That's right. Okay, uh, Generosity is fueling the big event out at Casa Mia this evening. That's where Christy is. Uh, Mel Zajac's Zajac Ranch does so much for kids, and it should be a great night for it, Christy. That's exactly right, Chris. I wanted to bring you downstairs. This is the entrance to the underground bar, private bar and dance floor. This dance floor is springy, just like at the Commodore, built by the same uh, gentleman who built the Commodore. And this is where everyone will be dancing it up later on this evening. It really is sensational here with all the incredible decor. I'll throw back to you here. But yes, should be a great evening for the Zajac Ranch. That is going to be a great party. Okay, thanks, Christy. And thank you very much. And thank you to our family watching and the kids from Seaforth School. We Hello, appreciate family. it. Have a great night and a great...